Welcome back to Loop and Point, where we try to understand what makes people good at what they do. This week's episode features Connor McCubbin. Connor is a good friend of mine who's a financial advisor and consultant at a firm called Guida and McCubbin here in Las Vegas. Financial advising is an industry built on relationships and trust, which frankly are important in any industry. So if you're at all interested in the financial planning industry, how to cultivate relationships and trust, and one man's path from post-undergrad confusion and a lack of direction to a purposeful and satisfying career path, then you'll be interested in today's episode. I'm Zach. And I'm TJ. Without further ado, this is Lupin Point. So we're live. We're sitting here. We got TJ on my left. Connor looking straight across from him. Feeling great. Our first interview episode. I'm absolutely honored to be here. (laughs) To be a part of pleasure. Welcome to the party. (laughs) And you might think to yourself, well, this podcast is nowhere hostable. So it could be our first episode, depending on how we order it. But to which we'd say yes. But uh, this is our first interview in that we wanted to get some people on the physical, on the metaphorical horn to uh, talk about loops, how they kind of conduct business how they optimize their results and like what matters in different fields. And then like, what's kind of the extraneous stuff, you know, the example we keep coming back to, which is like email or large. And then what really kind of moves that meter forward, which is, you know, coding in my case, research in your case. Yeah. um, Maybe sales meetings in your case, you know, not to, not to jump too far ahead with Connor. (laughs) I think to get into it, probably helpful for all of our listeners. if You just do a little intro. How you got to where you are, where are you, and what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So, as as you guys mentioned, my name's Connor. Start there. So far, so Always good. a good grounded <laughs> position there. When Zach did his uh, intro, he <laughs> forgot his name. <laughs> I was literally three minutes in, and TJ's like, and your name's Zach. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, I'll finish mine out, too. I'm Connor McCubbin. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, Zach and I met um, back back in college, and uh, that's kind of where I'll start my my story of, of where we where we've been coming from this whole time and where I've ended up. That's kind of where the journey started. Um, back in college, always wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, when you guys think of what people are writing in their fifth grade fifth grade yearbook, mm-hmm. that's what I was writing: pediatrician. Yeah. Kind of a weird thing. Everybody else was writing NBA basketball player and, you know. Astronaut. Um, exactly. Astronaut. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was writing pediatrician. So that's kind of where I was uh, positioned for. UNLV happened to be a great option because um, I graduated high school a year early. I, I figured in my junior year I was just coming back to play basketball for senior year. And that, that really wasn't a, a great uh use of time if the end goal was pediatrician yeah well and i think it's interesting to note you literally rolled into unlv honors college like august 28th so i'm sitting later on yes i rolled into the honors college exactly right before the start of class but i'm sitting there later on with a couple good buddies from the honors college maybe a year or two later after that point sitting there with zach and two of our buddies uh you know kelly and katie Katie now, who is my girlfriend uh, that I met in the Honors College. And we're sitting there and we're talking about, um, you know, just getting into the Honors College. And and I'm, I'm going through this rigorous process that they put me through. Mm-hmm. And the then Dean, uh, Professor Starkweather, put me through. Mm-hmm. I had to write an essay. I had to come in for two interviews. 
I had to get an essay in within uh, 12 hours from when they gave me the prompt. <laughs> and and as I'm going through this story, I see Kelly, Katie, and Zach looking at each other like, um, "Are did did you have to do anything that Connor's describing right now?" I I go to learn. Everybody else just applied and got accepted. <laughs> yeah. That was all that was there. I just think applications. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I thought I was getting into Wharton Business School or something. I, I got into the Honors College based on all these interviews and essays I had to write, and we were scrambling to get it done. My mom was helping me. I go in for two interviews. And now they just, you know, the class is now 300 people every year they take yeah. in the Honors College. So I was like, wow, they've really... They really put me through the ringer. <laughs> and now they just hit people. <laughs> That's how we all got started. So um, moving forward. Pediatrician. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pediatrician. So I get into school and uh, I'm bombing classes my first my first yeah. semester. Because I'm supposed to be a senior in high school. I'm not even not even close to where these kids are in these biology classes yeah. at, uh, at college. So I am not doing well, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But kind of... As, as we all are with family, can't give up on stuff. Yeah. You got to push through. Yeah. So I keep going through probably against better judgment, but yeah. we'll get to the better judgment part. And I start realizing I, I can't put all my eggs in this basket. So uh, I, I go in, I say, hey, I can't be biology pre-med anymore. You know, I got kicked, kicked in the butt <laughs> mm-hmm. on these biology classes. Say, you know, what, what should I be doing here? Well, I really like math. I'm really good at math. So I said, let's do engineering, mechanical engineering. A famously easy major <laughs> to really use as a backup plan. Well, boys, as you can as you can imagine, five years later, in a lot of classes, that mechanical engineering was a doozy. Mm-hmm. Was a doozy. So I thought I got my ass kicked in the uh, in the biology classes. Well, mechanical engineering was definitely a lot harder than that. So, so while you were going through this, did you think, I want to be a mechanical engineer? Not one time. Okay. <laughs> Not one time did I think that. Now, I did have fun in the senior design project. Okay. So uh, me and my partner, we built a basketball launching mechanism, um, similar to a, to a Jugs football machine with okay. two tires. Yep. Um, and also they have them in baseball. We made one for basketball. That was the one time during that whole program where I was like, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I could do this for a long time. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. After graduation, though, when you start to realize what engineering jobs entail, <laughs> we're coding, we're typing, we're mat, you know, SolidWorks, MATLAB, the whole deal. Cat. Cat. Okay. Little cat, little cat little in there, kid. too. <laughs> little cat in there, too. If you get lucky, <laughs> you get a little cat in there. You start to realize that Really, the high, high-end engineers are the ones that get to have that that type of fun mm-hmm. when it comes to the concepts and and putting things together that have never been put together and kind of getting their hands dirty in the lab. But uh, most engineers are going to be, you know, doing that type of stuff in SolidWorks and and behind. Whereas senior design was very physical, you know, hands on metal mm. welding that type of stuff. Mm. You realize, yeah, that's not going to do it. But enticing though, a lot of money being paid to mechanical engineers right out of college. So that's kind of where we pick back up on where we are now. Yeah. After graduation, the two paths are take an MCAT, go to med school to become that pediatrician, follow the engineering major that was the backup plan and get a job as a mechanical engineer, 
or disappoint everyone. <laughs> Family, friends, yeah. people who've wrote letters of recommendation, teachers who've put a lot of time in, mentors, the whole deal, yeah. and, uh, you know, scrap everything. And uh, chose that path. Yeah, TJ, I chose that path. <laughs> yeah. Too enticing. I, I chose that path. Uh, and and I, I do want I do want it to, to be known. I chose that path not knowing what that third option was. I just knew that it it wasn't going to be those two things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that takes courage. Yes, mm-hmm. um, mom not thrilled. Mm. <laughs> mom not thrilled on yeah. that decision. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out, like you've got the older brother who's a lawyer, right? The big yes. shot lawyer. I, I just think like my parents, West, you know, a little West Coast hippie. They're like, you just follow your heart and you'll do whatever you want. Yeah. But I I could sense there was some like having known you and like in that year there was a little bit of pressure when I'd come back uh, from Boston to visit. Yeah, it was definitely some pressure, um, healthy, healthy pressure, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, this was not a this was not a pressure of, um, you know, you're letting us down, but it's more of a pressure of there's potential here. Yeah. And you're not tapping into it, and mm-hmm. that's disappointing. Which I think is all is a healthy pressure to have, not only in that scenario, but really in any yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, even even when you're working in, in your career, raising kids, anything like that, it's nice to have a little bit of that healthy pressure of expectation. Mm-hmm. How did you feel confident to make that decision then, knowing that one healthy pressure, people want the best for you. Two, you don't even know what this other path looks like. I don't think this is a unique experience necessarily. You look a lot of people go through this during college, like they have a major mm-hmm. and then they graduate. County major, and they're like, "Fuck, I hate county." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how did you know, and how did you feel confident to do that? So, I did not do well on the first MCAT I took. Ah, that will help. <laughs> that yeah. helps, man. I took that MCAT, and my mom was starting to realize that I couldn't get motivated to study for it. Mm. That's a red flag, mm-hmm. you know, when you've put in all this time and effort. And you added on mechanical engineering for absolutely no reason to just add another hurdle to getting to this end goal of pediatrician. You know, maybe that was something in my back of my mind where I wanted the mechanical engineering backup plan because I might have known already. Yeah. I'm going to need a backup plan here because maybe I'm not all in. Yeah. Maybe that wasn't a good sign. But when you get to the end and you start to realize, if I can't even study for this MCAT, right? Mm-hmm. What have what am I going to do in the next four years? This MCAT is not that hard compared to what these students Mm -hmm. go through in medical school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, signing myself up for something that I'm not going to be near the top or the best at, that's Mm -hmm. tough. Yeah. That's tough. And I think, like having known you through this time, Yeah. You were not someone who, I mean, you like we put in the time and you put in the time to study. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call you a consistent studier. No. Right? Where you're like, like you were not in the library like seven to, seven to 10 every day. No. It was like, oh, we had the linear algebra test coming up and we put in the work to pass the test. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, we, when we talk about like playing your strengths, like that was just not, I, I think, in, I think you could do it. Yeah. I don't think it was a strength in that you wanted to do that and be that person. Yeah. And that that was that was an issue for me to understand that college was an extracurricular wonderland mm-hmm. for myself. And yes, I made the time to study the night before, 
But as you're saying, Zach, never on a consistent basis would I budget in, mm -hmm. schedule, you know, I'm going to study two weeks before this exam. Mm -hmm. It wasn't where my priorities were at that point, for yeah. sure. Where were your priorities? So the extracurricular side was, you know, president of the Honors College and kind of building that up um, into something that we could all be proud of. Yeah. Um, I was on the practice team for men's and women's basketball. I was doing intramurals, um, and we were traveling to tournaments wow. for basketball. Um, you know, I I don't think I had a had a semester where I wasn't taking like twenty one to twenty two credits a semester, and that was you know five years of that. So. Yeah. You know, I got used to kind of studying for things yep. last minute just because mm -hmm. there was a volume there that I yeah. couldn't get ahead of. And um, frat too, or no? No, no, okay. didn't didn't do the fraternity stuff. But I was on campus. It felt like from that eight thirty morning, you know, start UNLV class mm -hmm. until after intramural games yeah. or after honors college events that ended. You know, post ten thirty eleven, and you know, just repeating that. So, and, and I love doing it. That's the thing. I knew that I could put work into stuff that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. But once you got to the end and you start to realize what the things are that you've got your major in that maybe colleges set you up to do in the in reality, yeah. you're like, those aren't the things. Yeah. <laughs> those aren't the things. And like, I think similarly with the engineering side, you have never been one. And I think you could, but you've never been one to like code be like technical on the computer side of it. And I remember you would be going to these different uh, practice interviews or like interviewing at these different companies. And you're like, they just sit in a cube with a computer all day. And that yeah. is awful. My first interview was with a company and they showed me, um, and this is a super interesting experience that I think other people can relate to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we go into the interview and one of my, one of my connections from UNLV has set me up with this interview and I go in and it, it, they basically walk me through what the position is. They take me out to even where the desk is and the monitors. And I'm telling you, we're talking steakhouse mood lighting, mm. like barely lights on in this place. Mm. Three monitors in front of everyone in a cubicle, mm -hmm. you know, that, that I could, I could touch both sides if I stood in the middle and, and reached my arms out. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when you go through the schedule and you go through the environment and you go through all that, it, it doesn't seem as enticing. Is it lively in there or is it like pretty quiet? It's not lively. <laughs> it's not lively. Um, okay. You know, this place did make games like for videos. casinos. For oh, casinos. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's lively noises and mm. colors and stuff like that, but the energy amongst the people is not lively. Ah, okay. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on real quick in that interview Someone came in and they were, you know, congratulating the person who was interviewing me was part of a team yeah. for one of the games that had just been, um, you know, bought and put on a floor at a local casino. Right. And he, he came in kind of behind me and said, hey, I'd like I'd like to invite you out. We're going to go get pizza after after work today to celebrate our game. And, and he moved on. And um, and the guy the guy wanted to explain to me the culture that they kind of had there and said, well, you know, Connor, you know, that was that was that gentleman inviting me out because, you know, we had just we had just finished this project. So he's just showing, you know, he's just showing that camaraderie. 
And, and I'm sitting there like, oh, we have to explain, like you have to explain to people that you're oh, interviewing yeah. the interpersonal connections mm-hmm. of coworkers and, and being excited. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I can do that on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's subtle, but I, that's, yeah. that's curious you picked up on it. It's, it, it was subtle, but, but like important. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, he just explained to me that, you know, <laughs> people need to be nice. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. That kind of, that was eye opening for me for sure. Yeah, so I yeah. stopped all interviews after that in the engineering center. Yeah. <laughs> probably it. for the best. Yeah, and exactly. I, and I think like there's this interesting point of like you play to your strengths of you've always been a high EQ person, and like you get people, people want to open up to you, and engineers famously not that yes. right, and famously yeah. not understanding it. And I think that was just a great option of like you see your strengths and it is not that in that industry yeah that was that was very Mm eye-opening so after that is when i started to try to figure out what Mm -hmm. is next so that was like junior senior year something like that or i was actually post ah college so you graduated mcat didn't work out and you thought okay engineering exactly yeah and then you went through that whole rigmarole exactly okay there was a year that went by between graduation no pediatrician, no engineering. What am I doing? A financial advisor. Jobless for a year. Jobless yeah. for a year. Jobless for a year off of what most would consider a very successful college yeah. career. Yeah. Which, Highly as you can imagine, mm-hmm. is not uh, does not feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Coming off very high expectations and not sailing into you know the sunset yeah. on the next stage of life. And I think it's interesting to note, too, like, you could have gotten that engineering job and been, like, quietly unhappy, but everyone would have applauded you for it, right? They're like, yeah. oh, my God, he's going to, you know, or, like, mm-hmm. taking the MCAT and suffered through med school. And everyone would have been like, look at Connor killing it out there. And you're like, God, this sucks, yeah. you know? And I think it's worth noting that you kind of made that hard choice for yourself. But it is ultimately like the better choice to end up on that other side of, yeah. you know, happiness, right? Yeah. Like fulfillment in your job, which, you know, by all accounts, you seem to really like. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you find the job, the current job? So the current job was after the mechanical engineering thing fell through. Um, you know, I got I to gotta give, my, give my shout out to my uh, longtime friend, Addie Guida. She basically heard kind of what I had been through with all that and said, I think you should go talk to my father. He's a financial advisor Mm. and just see what he does. Mm -hmm. Because at that point I was open to hearing what anyone had to say. Yeah. I wanted to hear what your job is, what you like about it. What's your day to day look like? What are the long term, short term, middle term prospects of this for someone starting? I want to hear all that. Yeah. I mean, once you've, once you've moved on from everything that you've put school into, yeah. you're an open book. Let's mm-hmm. see what we got here. So, you know, when she had generously offered to set up a meeting with yeah. her dad, I obviously jumped at that opportunity to hear what it was that he did as I knew that he owned his own business. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, and I know that this is kind of what the podcast that you guys are doing does is look for those threads. One thing I learned in college that maybe wasn't out of a textbook or out of a teacher's mouth was what environments that I really enjoyed, you know, thriving in. So 
Zach, you know this. TJ, you know this, as you guys were in the Honors College. I got to work with the dean of the Honors College very closely. Yeah. And um, with that relationship, I really got to figure out how I wanted to be mentored. I didn't want to be I didn't want to be working with a direct boss where it wasn't, you know, we're moving something in the right direction together and I was just more helping him or her get to a destination. Yeah. So the way we worked together at the Honors College, it was I trust you, you trust me. Um, I'm going to come to you with the ideas, know that they're in everyone's best interest, and then we're going to work it out from there. Not to get into the boring details of it, but what we did at the Honors College actually, you know, helped propel that that person to an interim, an interim President. presidency yeah. job. Yeah. So I just liked working with somebody, but I did want somebody to be in that mentorship role because I'm yeah. coming into something where I don't know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a mentor, but I didn't want a direct boss. So that was one thing I knew. Whatever sector, job, title yeah. I ended in. I wanted that relationship to be there where I could learn from somebody, but it wasn't I'm working for them per se. Yeah. Um, so when Addie said, hey, you need to go talk to my dad, I said, I would yeah. love to. And when I came in and he described the position, I got the feeling that it would be very similar to uh, what I had had at the Honors College. And that was very attractive. That was one of the main things that attracted me to it was that type of relationship with my partner or um, superior, but it was going to be more of a mentorship, yes. not a, a boss subordinate type deal. Got it. Did it worry you that you didn't have any finances? Well, the one thing that kind of gave me a little bit of that comfort yeah. was he had said, I have been in the business 30 years, yeah. and I want to bring someone else on. I, I've never done this before, but I'm willing to learn with you. Mm-hmm. So if we're all open to it and he's opened his line of communication up for, you know, I, I'll drink from the fire hose of information mm-hmm. that someone that's fresh could get from someone that's 30 years in. Mm-hmm. That was a good benefit mm-hmm. to, to taking on that job. Okay. Um, so I put a lot of trust in him that he yeah. was going to follow through on that, which, mm-hmm. which he's done. So day to day, financial advisor. Yep. What does that look like, broad strokes? Day-to-day, phone's always on. Yeah. Wake up until go to bed. Phone is on. Um, very, very client first. Yeah. And what I'm explaining is not every financial advisor. Yeah. Um, but we are very white glove, like bespoke service here. Yeah. So, obviously, getting a couple every day, some information is coming in from one of our clients. Whether that's looking at a stock, whether that's depositing money, withdrawing money, whatever it is, something like that's coming in. Um, you need to get your healthy dose of just news, yeah. right? Just news in the market. What what the Fed is doing with rates, yeah. where, where the uh, indexes are headed, yeah. you know, what big trades are coming out or, or uh, what big trades have been made yeah. by the institutions and uh, IPOs. Yeah. You know, we're in, we're in that in that world now. So those types of things, that's what you got to get in the morning. It's kind of get your baseline going. Um, I usually will have all of my meetings post 10 a.m. Client meetings. Client meetings. So anything that has to do with clients has to be post 10 a.m. After the client meetings for the day, you know, you can all, there's always work to be caught up on. That's what's great about it. 
once that stuff is done, once your meetings and and physical things on your calendar are taken care of, yeah. you can always do some research on on some stocks that you're going to recommend your your clients to buy. You can try to get in on futures and and try to look and see where the market's headed. But what I really like to do is look at how I can improve the business mm-hmm. in in the time where I'm where I'm kind of not doing meetings, not doing trades, yeah. not serving a, a client. I'm looking at how can I improve the business, and that directly relates back to how can I better serve clients. Yeah, kind of want to just. I think we have been talking maybe around it, but I want to make this point super clear in that you could have spent all of your time studying alone in college, right? And like spending time in the library, but instead your focus and I think your wants were on meeting people and like making friends and making connections. And that was the part that really was interesting to you, right? Yeah. And now there's an obvious correlation of, hey, maybe, you know, that doesn't correlate well with med school or engineering. But what that does correlate well is to an industry where it's really good to have a wide variety of contacts. Yes. And I knew these people when they were crushing it in, you know, thermodynamics. And now I can say, I know that they're going to be a great resource to have. You know, they're going to kill yeah. it as an engineering degree. Yeah. Or an, as an engineer, right? Well, that, that also brings up a good point. I never got into much trouble growing up mm-hmm. from elementary through college mm-hmm. and when you're a financial advisor as you mentioned tj trust being the most yeah. important thing having no marks on my permanent resume as far as not like parking tickets but i mean like something where like like i mentioned earlier i have friends parents that i work with those so friends those parents they can't remember any time where yeah. Oh, yeah. well, Connor was at that party that and one night and, and yeah. stuff went down, the mm-hmm. whole deal. And that's like you're saying, when we're in those engineering classes with those folks, you know, I'm putting in the time, you know, we're not we're not cheating, mm-hmm. you know, we're not we're not messing around, we're not doing all this stuff. So when I do come back to them with, "Hey, I chose a new path. I might yeah. be able to help." It's good that they can't ever remember any mm-hmm. blemishes of like that one time I don't know why I would yeah. Wouldn't trust him. Yeah. Type deal. Yeah. I I think that's there's something else there, right? Which is, or, or I guess more of a question is, what's enabled you to be successful, right? And so not having any blemishes is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet that's like a a nice to have, but it's not going to drive you. That's it's fair. not going like, to propel fair. you to the next day. <laughs> it's like, fair. oh, you really is <laughs> a clean record. That's fair. Um, it's just kind of a, a check the box. More yeah. Having a network, obviously. Mm-hmm. What else? Like, is it is it people skills? Is it um, you know take it like you know we spent a long time talking about taking notes, yeah, you know, and is it like you know you're obviously like honors college, right? We're all smart people, so it's not yeah. like hey, I under you know you get the markets, and yeah, that's doable. But is there anything that like you feel says I have the strength and I can really double down on that? If that's kind of the yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. what what things have checked the box of like you've knocked this out and you're pretty good with it? So, I was very fortunate to to grow up with mom and dad. Mom worked very hard for herself from like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So the work ethic is there, um, no excuses, that type of mentality. Dad, very much a people person. Mm-hmm. Also started working right out of college, worked his way up from 
ground level to executive level at a company. Uh, well, my one story about your dad being a people person is when I think I brought my girlfriend to a 4th of July thing, and your family was there, Katie's family was there. During pandemic? Oh, no. It might have been a, two years it ago. It might have been two, okay. three years yeah. ago. No, it was it was definitely a while ago, but he, he walks up and he's like, Hey, um, just want to introduce myself. I'm Tim McCubbin. Hands a girlfriend a business card. And I'm like, God, the panache. He's like, doesn't it, you know, doesn't know we're from Jane on the street, yeah. right? But it's like, she could be a potential nice contact to have. Yeah. And my uh and now now my dad runs a non profit mm-hmm. and uh right. still working. Yeah. And my mom just retired from the school district. So you know, that's I grew up with those two setting a good example. A lot of people say I'm my dad's mini-me. Nothing salesy, but the work ethic was there. The people person side was there. The whole thing. The expectation that they put in front of me was always very high expectations. That's Mm -hmm. what we kind of grew up with. I can always remember getting in the car after basketball games where I didn't put out my best effort. And and the whole day was ruined. (laughs) My parents were disappointed. I could feel it. You know, the whole deal. So that is... That's the type of environment I was brought up yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a healthy amount of expectation. I, I appreciate that. So now what you're asking, TJ, is, you know, and, and Zach, what, what, what's the other stuff? Yeah. What's the other secret sauce? It's not just yeah. about knowing the markets. Anybody yeah. can, you yeah. know, open up the Apple stock. Yeah. I, can <laughs> I can read the Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, what it really is. Obviously, the working hard, as we talked about that with with uh, some of my best clients having that. But I already demand a lot from the people I work with. Ask Katie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ask my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am a very demanding person. So I take that same high level of demand and I put myself in the shoes of the client. And I say, if I was a client. Yeah. who had choices of financial advisors. Yeah. And I want to touch on this one later, so remind me to you. I want okay. to bring me back to this. But if I had my choice of financial advisors, what am I wanting from this guy, this gal, yeah. that's going to put this at the top of my list and say, I'm not going anywhere. This is the best I'm going to get right here. Yeah. This is it, top level. Yeah. I put myself in the client's shoes and I say, what would I want from them? Mm-hmm. I would want calls when the market dips. Just to just to check in on me. Yeah. No matter if I've got meetings that day or not, just to see that he called on a day where I'm going to look in the stock market app yeah. or get a notification from Apple News without doing anything yeah. that says the stock market fell out. Fell out. Exactly. Down 10%. Exactly. I want a missed call or a voicemail or a text from Connor. Yeah. I want to be treated like I'm my high potentials. I treat them as if they already yeah. have multi-million dollar portfolios. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I want to be kind of schmoozed a little bit. I want to be taken to the Fleming's dinners. Yeah. And and I want them to show me that they're invested in this. Yeah. You know, put some dollars into this because we're going to be together for a long time. Yeah. You know, other stuff. I want them to reach out when I know that I know it's their anniversary. You know, mm-hmm. any stuff like that. Yeah. I put myself in their shoes and I say, okay, how can I get to that level? Yeah. When I see, I, I've got over 100 clients. But I know that if one person has Dunkin' Donuts, 
and that merger's coming together. Yeah, yeah. That I know when that news comes out, I'm giving that person a call. Yeah. yeah. They're probably not going to do anything, but I'm going to call them. Yeah. I'm going to make sure they know. I, I remember that you have that. Yeah. And I remember that, that you've had it for a while and it's your baby. Yeah. They're being, you know, they're being acquired. How do we feel type deal? Just kind of curious from a tactical sense. Is that all in Salesforce for you? You know, uh, like good question. Anniversary, like, do you have a system around that? Or? Well, I need to listen to your guys' podcast because <laughs> because my notes are sporadic. But um, a lot of that, and you know, this isn't this isn't to toot the own horn, but it's all in the all in the brain. A lot, of, a lot wow. of it is in in the memory bank. I mean, yeah. I'm the one thing I'm That's not great at is is remembering names when mm. I'm at the party. Mm. But when I work with clients for a long time, I don't have to write down their kids' names. Yeah. I don't have to write down if they just entered a, a night golfing league. Mm-hmm. You know, when we meet again, everything that we talked about in that last meeting comes to the forefront and I'm spitting it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's great. As yeah. someone who forgets almost all of that, really, really impressive. Brief callback, like I think that would skill would be completely wasted if you were an engineer. Yeah, yes. Or, I mean, more yeah. or less, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you would not be getting. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's really a great example of like you found a job that really played to your strengths. Yes. Right, and we're in engineering again. You you could have done those, and there's no doubt in my mind you could have passed the MCAT, then the dot. Right, you could have done that. Yeah. But I think you really found something that's like, what is my one? Or my multiple strengths, right? But what am I really good at? And how can I really work hard at that to achieve financial success? Well, I appreciate you saying that about the MCAT. I really don't think I had it in me. <laughs> I appreciate you with the confidence there. Oh, like 100%. That. <laughs> but yeah, that th- it really did happen to play out that everything that I was going to bring to the table at any job really fits what you need to, re- to be able to bring to the table at a financial advising job. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really enjoy about it is being able to, and and like I told you, to, when I when I'm done with my meetings, I think about how can I serve them better yeah. than what I'm doing now, yeah. right? So at some point, we rolled out monthly market emails that just kind of give a, a bite size, yeah. very approachable um, look at the last past month of yep. investing. Those communications being available twenty four seven by text, not just office phone, mm-hmm. right? You can get to me at any time. Yeah. That's what our generation demands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. So, yeah. Have you, I want to, I want to like switch gears and I have two gears I want to switch to. Yeah. It's cool. By all means. Like, um, one thing you have over a hundred clients, probably yeah. a bunch of interesting people, successful yeah. people. Yes. What, what have you learned from your clients? What I've learned, uh, probably the most, cause when, when I started, the, and this just ties back in a little bit to, to the industry. The washout rate on new financial advisors is high. What do you mean by that? People who start and fail yeah. within three years, it's like 80%. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, one. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. 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 If you started a wirehouse mm-hmm. um, and you don't meet the expectations of the wirehouse, you're moved on for the next person. That's why you see the wirehouses at career fairs, mm-hmm. like at a UNLV All college career yeah. fair. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Northwestern Mutual, Fidelity, the whole deal. If you don't do that path and you go independent um, and you don't do it correctly, mm-hmm. you just won't make enough. Yeah. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll find yourself in a situation where you're not able to put food on the table. If you have kids, responsibilities, the whole deal. That's why the washout rate's so high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So what I've learned from the clients is they start to feel very comfortable at between year two and three of your relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's when the referrals start to come in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I don't know if that's what you're asking about learn from yeah. them, but but the behavior that I noticed yeah. through the through just the patterns, yeah. um, not all hundred clients have been in you know year one, yeah. but I've started to see the referral waves have, have uh, kind of been yeah. flowing in between year two and three, yeah. where they've had that time to feel me out, understand the process, understand that I have their best interest in everything I recommend in yeah. every facet of their life. That's when that's what I've learned is that it takes two to three years yeah. in this in this industry to get that relationship going. Got it. And it totally like gear gear, to, gear gear shift again. Yeah. Um if you think back like honors college, you know you played a lot of basketball, like other things you've done are kind of team oriented. Yeah. Being a financial advisor, maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like you're not like working a team, right? You don't have like eight guys around you were like, all right, we're gonna figure out portfolio construction for X guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more like you and him or maybe a couple of you and, and him, but, or, or I like or, this question. TJ. So, so like, what am I wrong? Is it a team sport or is it like, uh, is it not? And you're just like flexing a different muscle. So I, I would think that don't think golf, but mm-hmm. think doubles tennis. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So not football, soccer, basketball, too many people. Yeah. There's yeah. not that many people involved, but it's not golf either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I'm, and it's not just like a caddy golf golf yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's two people working out there together. Right. And is uh, it you and Albert are the the two the, people the, I'm referring to is the client and me mm, got, oh, got for it. doubles tennis. Got it for doubles tennis. Exactly. Um, you know, I grew up watching my dad play. Uh, he he played semi competitive tennis for a long time, mm-hmm. and in doubles, you'd always you'd always see that if the if one person messes up. You're setting up the guy who's up front to get absolutely obliterated, right? Got it. Think about that. Oh, At the net, yeah. you're Wait, closer sorry, to the net. I, we might have to cut okay. those. I, I, missed, I, missed, I was thinking about something else. I missed the analogy. So, so doubles tennis. So doubles tennis, you got two people. Yeah. Think yeah. of singles tennis. Are you ever close to the net? No. Not if you oh, – only if you rush it, right? Yeah, exactly. Doubles tennis, someone's just standing at the net. Yeah. <laughs> like imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just standing at the net waiting for the person behind you to hit it over. And, and then hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they don't set up a blooper to where <laughs> I'm just thunderball, right? Yeah. I'm taking a spike right at the dude standing five feet away. Yeah. So that relationship is kind of is kind of what I kind of figure to be the client advisor. Got it. You can take it to basketball because I played point guard. Yeah. You can take it to basketball. I'm a I'm a pass first guy. Yeah. So I like to set my teammates up. When the clients come in, I am never the financial advisor who is like, here's your popcorn, here's your candy. I'm going to present something. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the end of this meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. They are very involved. I want them educated. To my detriment, probably. Yeah. Right? If I make it seem too simple, they're like, well, I don't have to pay you 1%. <laughs> uh, but I'm education first, mm-hmm. and it's, it is a team sport. Yeah. So when we come in, I say, hey, I see that, you know, Zach's got an Apple computer in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, currently, we might have met twice before this, but currently, I like Apple stock. And let me tell you all the reasons why I like Apple stock. 
and then it's kind of a feel it out process. Okay, this is why I like it from the ratio standpoint that maybe you don't look into every day, yeah. but this is why we both might like it from the user standpoint because you use it, I use it. We're setting up mm -hmm. to get to a point where, okay, I can see that. Let's mm -hmm. do Apple. Now yeah. I'm excited about it. Now I'm looking at Apple on my phone. Mm -hmm. And it's not just this hands-off relationship. Yeah, I go talk to that financial guy once a year. He tells yeah. me how we're doing. I'm not really invested in it too much, though. Yeah. We'll see. I could move to anyone tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like, I, I want to pull on this, this tennis analogy a little bit more. Yeah. It's almost like you're you're setting up the play, and then you guys, look, you don't know what the, you don't know what the market's going to do. Exactly. You're, you don't know anything that's going to come back at you, but you're setting up a play with your partner. Exactly. And you guys can kind of like exactly. you know, go off that. I want them to feel comfortable about the plan. Yeah. I'm not a car mechanic where they bring it in, I give them a bunch of fancy words, I give them a huge bill, and they're like, well, crap, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I am, this is what's under the hood, yeah. dollar cost averaging, compound interest, stocks, indexes, mutual funds. If you don't like fees, if you do like fees, this is what we're doing. This is our game plan. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. And if it makes sense to you and it makes sense to me and yeah. we're all on board, yeah. well, guess what? I just avoided the conversation during the pandemic of what the hell were we doing? <laughs> well, you know what we were doing yeah. <laughs> the last time we met. This was the play. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it is a team sport. Yeah. It is a do, team sport. Do you want, is there like that part of you that's like, you know, uh, I could bring on, is there, is there that part of you that says, It'd be fun to have, like, a researcher or, like, a social media person. Like, do you find yourself looking for a team at some point? Or One thing I need to work on in myself, I don't trust anybody else to give the level of service yeah. that I've been giving. Uh -huh. the, the hurdle mm -hmm. that I've set for everyone else that yeah. comes on our firm mm -hmm. below us, um, I don't think they can do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to trust at Eventually. some point. I'm going to yeah. have to trust at some point, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Right, Albert trusted me. Yeah, it's Albert funny. You're in a trust business, right? Yeah, and clients trust you. You have to trust clients to a certain extent. Albert trusted you. Yep. And you need to. <laughs> and I need to do that. <laughs> I need to do that. But but when yeah. you when you have such like Fabergé eggs for clients, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't hand I can't hand them. Which over. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got thirty years to work on it before you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, one more on the tennis thing. I read this book one time. I actually don't know if I finished it, but I, I read this book. It's called Tennis by Machiavelli. Oh, have you read it? What a great title. No, yeah. I actually don't think Machiavelli wrote it. I <laughs> but I'm trying you, to think of when tennis was invented in well, my head. So I, like, I'm actually not sure because if you read the inside cover, it goes in this elaborate story about how a precursor to tennis was a sport that like the Italian courts played. What I've got it. Um, love it, by the way. I love where we're going with this. Yeah, so, so like, there's a lot of... The book is actually about playing tennis. It's actually about the strategies of playing tennis. Uh -huh. um, and I don't play tennis, so you're like, why the fuck are you reading this book, TJ? But if you take it up a level, yeah. the book is just about, like, strategy and planning in general, mm -hmm. right? And, for example, one of the lessons in the book, or the, the book, rather, is describing kind of two kinds of tennis players. Yeah. There's one tennis player whose objective is to literally just return the ball. You have an opponent. Opponent's going to do whatever he's going to do. You just want to return the ball. And eventually your opponent will make a mistake and you will win the match. The other kind of tennis player is someone who wants to slam it. Like every opportunity you have, you want to like hit yeah. the shit out of the ball yeah. and like try to score a point uh, and play aggressively. 
and eventually will, and sometimes you'll miss, but yeah. like you, you can win games that way. Yeah. Either way is fine in terms of winning games. Yeah. Um, but there's an analogy you can draw with life. There's an analogy you can draw with investing, of course. Yes. It's like, what do you do? Do you want to yes. just like return the ball? Yes. Or do you want to like slam and make like a lot of money? Attack. Exactly. And the question to you is, do you see one like if you understand the analogy that oh, trying to heck make, yeah, yeah, I love this analogy. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna use it. I love this. <laughs> Uh, is there one strategy that you see is better full stop? Or do you kind of calibrate it based on your client? Gotta be a mix. Gotta be a mix. Gotta be a mix. I love that analogy. Yeah. The reason why I love it is dollar cost averaging for a lot of my young clients is the just return the ball. Yeah. Just return the ball. Mm -hmm. Guess what's going to make the mistake? The market's going to make the mistake. Yeah. Right? If you keep putting in, the market will falter on months that you're putting in, and you will buy at a discount, and you will average out at a lower price as this thing goes up. Mm -hmm. That's the returning the ball. The spiking is we are going to put money in when this thing tanks, yeah. and we are going to attack, and we're going to win the point. Yeah. And I set – now, not everyone is that way because – could you imagine if I had to do that for 100 clients? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be a lot. My top clients would probably feel like, aren't you spread a little thin? <laughs> But the my my baseline clients that are just getting started, even the ones I do pro bono, they're just return the ball clients. We're returning the ball. We're mm -hmm. going to keep going. And if they get to a point where they want to start taking advantage, that's okay. I'm here for them. My higher end, high potential clients, mm -hmm. we're doing return the ball, but we're getting a little more aggressive with the try to create those winning spikes. Mm -hmm. And I think they have the you're right. If someone's making forty grand a year. Yeah. They don't have a ton to come in during a downturn, exactly. right? Or maybe the job security if they're a dealer at Green Valley Ranch, right? Exactly. That's not the time where you say, hey, it's March. <laughs> you know, it's March 18th. Yeah. You want to throw all your money in the market. Exactly. But that would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I wish I did. Exactly. But, exactly. But, you know, if someone came in and they're like, hey, I'm grossing 150, 200K this year. Yeah. I've got, and I'm a house sales person, right? And everyone from California is going to move here. So yeah. I feel pretty confident. Um, we could really whack the thing, you know, whack yeah. the bejesus out of this ball. Yeah. And and I'll do, I'll do, I'll do one more sports. I'll yeah. do one more basketball because Zach knows I'm a big shooty hoops guy. Big shooty Zach hoops says, guy. Zach says. Love a good shooty um, Zach told me last night, quick aside, yeah. we yes. were talking about prepping for this. Zach was like, I have never played basketball. <laughs> And I was like, hold on, like, never? Like, you've never, <laughs> ever played? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think I've ever played. And it was, like, wow. since, like, sixth grade PE, you know, where everyone's, like, obligated. And I think I might have stumbled across the court at, like, Northeastern when I was getting the yeah. Masters, and they had the balls there, and it was, like, 10 p.m., and no one else was there. And I'm like, I'll put up some shots, you know? <laughs> And I, you know, form's awful, and I'm grand. I love that you just did one of these. <laughs> Soccer throwing, yeah. Soccer throwing, bro. I'm butchering it. And I'm like, Kobe. <laughs> yelling Kobe. Oh, yeah. God. In uh, Boston, of all places, yelling Kobe. You're right. Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, back funny. to shooting hoops. Now, you know, the one, I'll, the one I'll say. Being a pass-first point guard, there's a difference between just swinging the ball and actually getting an assist. Right? Yeah. Um, you can't just swing the ball as a point guard, and, and that's your contribution to the team. Yeah. Your job is to literally pass people into positions to score. score. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I see myself in, in, the, in the fiduciary role. Mm. I'm not passing the ball to them for them to go one-on-one. 
Yeah. I'm passing them the ball to make sure that they're fully educated and in a perfect situation to score. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also not the overbearing financial advisor that makes all the decisions yeah. either. It's just going one-on-one from the top, and they're just standing on the side. <laughs> going, we might win the game, but I'm not touching the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where I see myself, Got uh, you know, in the basketball <laughs> scenario there. I enjoyed both of those analogies. You like those? I was yeah. along for the ride that whole time. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> we didn't talk much about basketball, actually. We had this whole section around yeah. about basketball. Do you, do you still play, like, actively? I still play a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. When most people think of golfing as their networking sport, yeah. basketball is my networking sport. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas is a a great town yeah. for ball networking. Yeah, it's really? just it, it's insane. Oh. I didn't realize it until um, I started getting into little pockets and little groups here and there. Yeah, um, you know that could be at Mormon churches, it could be at half courts or full courts in the back of warehouses, it could be at Mendenhall, it could be at synagogues, it could be at basketball centers, it could be at Lifetimes, Twenty Four Hour Fitnesses, anywhere and everywhere. There's groups of guys playing ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate enough to play in. Probably five or six little pocket groups, yeah. um, from full court to half court groups, for over a decade. Yeah, is there? I, I'm kind of interested in this balance, right? Where you're like on the phone all the time. Yes, and you've got a pretty extensive like ball network, and you were teaching at UNLV. Yeah, um, and so how do you think? Right, and you've got a girlfriend, right? And God bless her. God bless her. <laughs> you've, got, you've got this thing weighing you down, that thing weighing you down, and Katie weighing you down. Um, so, how do you think about like work-life balance, balancing that? You know, you got a lot of stokes in the fire. So yeah, I've always uh, and I think we talked about this sec when we were when we were going to school together at UNLV. Uh, the pillars. Mm-hmm. I always liked kind of the pillars you know, holding up the, the, the structure basically. And it was kind of the family, the friends, the work, and you know, the love life, basically the, the girlfriend, the wife, um, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And if everything is going, then you're good. And I guess, I guess one other one is obviously the health, um, and, and physical fitness and everything else. So the balance for me is, and I'll just kind of lay out what my balance is. I do orange theory, I do basketball, and those are my two things, my outlets for kind of that release of energy. I haven't been diagnosed with, you know, any type of (laughs) ADHD or anything, but my knees get shaky Ah. if I'm sitting at the office too long. Mm -hmm. I get a little shaky. So Standing desk or no standing desk? No standing desk, because I'm usually too sore from last Ah. night. (laughs) Uh, So I'm playing basketball, um, you know, outside of a pandemic setting. I'm playing basketball four to five times, and I'm doing Orange Theory um, three to four times a week. So I'm getting two-a-days in a couple times, but I'm usually not missing workouts on any day. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, the business building and clients, that is as much time as it needs. Mm-hmm. Out of 24 hours, it can have 24 if it needs it. That you got to feed the beast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? If, uh, if it needs 10, it gets 10. If it yeah. needs 12, it gets 12. Um, always try to get uh, food with friends um, throughout the week. 
and I we always end up seeing Katie's parents and my parents once a week for dinners and stuff like that. Um, we travel frequently, so we travel to see friends that are set up in different places on the West Coast. Um, we take trips here and there, so the balance is real. The balance is real. Um, without those outlets, I'm not sure you could you could just keep yeah. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the last, you know, as someone who, again, not steeped in basketball culture at all, and you're a part of these different groups, I'm interested in, like, the logistics of how do you get invited back? How do you oh, succeed? Like, yeah. is there... How do you be someone people want to play with? Yeah. the way you put it, and which I think is okay. the nice way to put it. Absolutely. And, uh, look, I mean, maybe we shouldn't call it back this early, but, like, how do you be someone that people want to work with yeah. and trust yeah. with their money? Yeah. Right? And, and is there overlap? Yeah, there is definitely overlap. There's definitely overlap. So I am I am not an aggressive networker. Mm-hmm. So I am not the person that gets invited somewhere and immediately starts to either <laughs> hand out business cards yeah. or research the people that I'm playing ball with or mm-hmm. I'm meeting at that event. To see where the opportunity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not that's not my mo. That's just not how I how I do. But being at so many of these, I see people like that. Mm-hmm. So this might be a fair warning for listeners. But how do you be someone that that gets invited back? Yeah. Or that or that gets put on a permanent invite list, or that someone does want to work with. We've all heard that you can't want it too much, or you yeah. can't you can't push too hard. I feel like that's how the aggressive networkers come off. Mm, And when you're in the investment business, you have to think long-term, right? That's the whole point Mm -hmm. of investing is because long-term, if you start young, which most of my clients are young, you're going to be set. I take the same thing Mm -hmm. with with basketball. I take the same thing with networking. Um, I take that same attitude into everything. If I come off as pushy in the first meeting or basketball session, with this group of guys, it's gonna put people off. Yeah. I think it's gonna put people off. Yeah. I think that's that's what's gonna happen. So, to both of your points, when I go to these these meetings or these basketball outings, I'm a pass first point guard, so that already is called. My dad calls that client basketball. I make everyone else feel mm-hmm. on the court like they're playing in a game, right? They're not just out there with somebody who's trying to get up fifty shots during the game. They're out there with somebody who's spreading the ball around. And I've got mental notes in my head of who touched the ball last. <laughs> yeah. So I'm making sure everyone on the team is touching the ball. And, yeah, I know that who's got the highest net worth, and maybe yeah. that I throw them a couple more passes than everyone else. Yeah. That's going to come into it a little bit, but I'm saying hi to everybody. I'm getting to know everybody. I'm not bringing up business at all mm-hmm. in the first two or three outings that I'm there. Am I getting invited back consistently? Yes. I usually see that it picks up from there. Yeah. Oh, you know, I like having Connor because we don't have point guards out here that pass the ball, and he does that. He's in shape, mm-hmm. right? Most most other business professionals can't run that long if you're running full-court basketball. You know, he adds something to the game. He's on time. Just simple stuff. Be fun to play with. Don't be an ass. Have a good attitude. Have yeah. a good attitude, <laughs> right? You know, there's certain things that come into that. You know, they're not going to invite somebody back who doesn't play defense. Mm-hmm. They're not going to invite someone back who, who's late. They're not going to invite someone back who sucks. Yeah, It's just how it goes. So you have to have a fine balance. But once you've got those things, you can't be too pushy. 
you've got to let the networking come to you. There's people that I've wanted to work with that I've been playing ball with for three and a half years, and I still haven't asked them anything yet. Mm. You just got to yeah, have it's a long game. Right? It's the long, it's game. long game. Why would I fret over trying to create or fabricate mm. a perfect opportunity to talk to them? Yeah. It, it, it's almost, um, you haven't said this, but I'm going to put these words in your mouth, like authenticity breeds trust or is a breeding ground for trust, exactly. right? If you're just fabricating a relationship, I'm not going to trust the relationship yeah. for you. But if it's authentic, then there's more of a propensity to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I understand that I've left stuff on the table by not being aggressive. I've left stuff on the table because certain people respond well to aggressive networking, but that's a decision I've made and the result I'll live with in the long run. So I think that kind of covers it on the basketball section. I'm sure there's definitely going to be more there that I want to think about. Like I'll process, I'll process and get there, but I think maybe to bring it home in a way, Right, like we talk a lot about leverage, we talk a lot about loops, but to me it was kind of interesting. Right, we were thinking about like what lessons we can draw from this, and what can we like abstract and give to people, right? And I think your story is really great in that you found some things, and you were, you know, you were in two majors in college that I think maybe didn't play to your strengths as much as they could have. And you really found that strength of like people oriented, good with math. And this is all math, right? And it's not crazy linear algebra, quadratic, whatever nonsense. It's like, hey, I'm good at math and I like numbers and I like people. What's a field that I can do that? And just allow those two skills to really like you keep pressing on those and optimizing those and really just playing your strengths of people and numbers and just let that compound over time. Yeah. Um, I think it's maybe an abstractable lesson to draw from yeah. this is what am I really good at and what can I just what strength button can I just press over and over and over yeah. again, right? Yeah. I think I the, the thing I'd layer onto that, and we touched on this earlier, was authenticity breeds trust. Mm-hmm. And I think in a, a lot of pieces of your story, you can see that playing out, right? If you think back to took the MCAT, struggling parents were kind of unhappy, but then they started to see your authentic interest in being a financial advisor. And something clicked for your mother and was like, oh, I trust this. I trust that decision. Play basketball with people. You want to be authentic. You want to come off as pushy. You want to kind of like build a real relationship. Then they will trust you to be an advisor. Mm -hmm. And just like the whole idea and legal concept of fiduciary is like, look, I want to have someone that I can authentically um, trust because they will, you know, make my or make decisions with my best interest in mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, I think it's, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's a, great, a super great point. One thing that I would want people to, to take away, not only as a, a client of mine, but also mm-hmm. as, a, um, as a professional in, in any field, is like you're saying, Zach, to find the strength and exploit your strength mm-hmm. for as much as you can exploit it for. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, you know, building out your network, whether it's your, you know, CPA lawyer or financial advisor, that's where that trust comes in that you're talking about, TJ. Outsource that, outsource that trust to people who you can work with and focus on your strengths, trust other people and outsource to other people who can do all those other things that, that kind of round you out. Um, from my side, 
I think that I need to to keep stepping on the strengths of, mm-hmm. of building relationships and, you know, meeting as many people as possible and figuring out new ways to serve my clients the best possible way. And uh, as you're saying, TJ, just just keep being as authentic as possible to make sure that that trust bond is uh, as strong as possible. Man, I love it, man. So uh, I think we just really hit the nail on the head. But I, one last question I got to ask. Do you have any things that I'll define as yak shaving? And for those who uh, wonder if we're sponsored by yak shaving, no, it's <laughs> things that are product that seem productive that actually aren't productive. And I'll give you an example of uh, I've been looking to rebuild a website for the past week. And so have I spent the last week doing any programming at all whatsoever? No, absolutely not. I've been researching how to build websites and different ways to do that. And that is literally, I've got the, you know, the tiny scissors and I'm clipping each hair off of the yak because it's so unproductive. Um, But, you know, it keeps me off the streets, right? It was interesting enough. But my poor girlfriend was like, just build the fucking website already. She was like, put me out of my misery. So is there anything like, I think the one last thought of like, do you have anything that, is, you know, what are your things that are very useful and very productive? And what are things that I think maybe seem productive or things that you can waste time, but don't drive the meter for you or your clients? So personally, because I think the, I think what we kind of finished on was a little bit of yak shaving, mm-hmm. which was focus on your strength yeah. and outsource all Everything the stuff else. that you should be yak shaving. Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> it is not serving you. But uh, personally, Sometimes I get caught up in thinking that I can create something to better serve my clients. And I go down a rabbit hole of, well, maybe I should do this, 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 this. And it's not even a compliant. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Yeah. It's not even possible for me to do that. Um, there's other times I get caught up in trying to brainstorm new ideas. But I haven't formed the question of what am I, what am I adding value to? Yeah. Am I already doing this, but I am just looking at it differently? What I think my biggest thing would be, before you dive hardcore into something, what I would do is I'd soundboard it. Obviously, uh, I've got Katie. Yeah. You've got Tessa. TJ, you have girlfriend. your girlfriend. Yep. You can soundboard immediately mm-hmm. and just get a, a realistic view on, now, what are you? About to spend time working on at the office on a Saturday at 9 p.m.? Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing for me in, in trying to create yak shaving in my life mm-hmm. is I'm now starting to soundboard before I jump into the rabbit hole that, that might not end. Got it. 